0: If we'd have read further in Revelation this morning, we would have got to chapter 2 where it was talking about the different churches and the things that God favored in them and the things that He was concerned about in them. And One of them, He said, you need to get back to your first love. And I've been pondering that this week. Because the American church, well, how do you say it other than they're just spoiled? We're, We're spoiled. We're pampered. We have it very easy. There are people who won't come to church because the air conditioner's out or Carrie makes all the lights go off or you know <laughs> there's nothing for the, there's nothing for the children or they don't like the songs or, or whatever it may be. Carrie, it's not good to abuse your husband in church. Wait till after, please <laughs> And we think about what it takes to get people to... Be cold, not just to church, and it's not a message necessarily about church, it's about relationship with the Lord. And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine last night, and we were discussing this, and he was he and I were batting it back and forth. And what is it that that causes this? And you know, it's just kind of a historical thing. Look at Israel. When Israel was blessed, they got cold. When Israel was persecuted or uh, enslaved, they got on fire for God. You know, they start calling out to God. America's no different. We get so easy, we so easily get lax on our laurels and just think, you know, whatever, I've got other things that are more important. And and we as evangelicals, we were really concerned a couple of years ago because of the condition of, the, uh, of our nation and, and the political atmosphere. But then something happened that many were praying for and the result is, I think that we've become even more lax. Oh, we're not scared like we were before. We're not worried like we were before. We're, n- we're not fretting every day like we are, were before. Everything's okay now. Can I tell you something? Prophecy doesn't change because somebody was elected president. And I still believe that we're very much in the last of the last days. Things are serious. Uh, The nation seems to be tearing herself apart. And the American church, for the most part, is oblivious to it. They're asleep on on the laurels. They don't even see it. They're still busy dealing with the insignificant things, the unimportant things. I think we need to get back to the first steps. We need to get back. You know I like to study the first century church and and it's fascinating to me. And, and, I, and I say this and I want to say it again so you don't misunderstand. I don't believe that we have to do everything exactly like the first century church did. Uh, we live in a different culture. We live in a different time. Everything is different. They didn't have music for quite a while. Uh, the women sat on one side. The men sat on the other side of the church. There was a lot of things that we don't copy or emulate today. Why don't we? Because Scripture doesn't anywhere say you have to do it that way. That's just the way they did it. The reason I like to study of the first century church is because I think there's principles that they followed that we have lost, and I think we need to remember those. Will you turn with me to Acts chapter two? Acts chapter two. This is one of the most. If you if you're you have a Pentecostal background like I do, this is like their their. Their their uh, verse, their favor, their motto. Yeah, it's on the wall somewhere in the church in most Pentecostal churches. It's gonna be Acts chapter two. They love this one. They hang their hats on this thing. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter two. Are you there? This means yes. This means no. <laughs> <laughs> Acts chapter two. And I want to read just uh, four verses. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house that they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Lord, I ask God that you will help me to give your people something today. Lord, I ask that you'll overcome my human frailties and my limitations and that your Holy Spirit will do something beyond what I can do. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The church then was in a transition. Well, this was the birth of the church. I should say the the disciples, the followers of Jesus were in a transitional state at this this time in Scripture. I think we are in a transitional state. point in in church history. Um, Paul Washer had a sermon not too long ago, well a couple years ago where he talked about the coming persecution and none of us like to think about that but I believe it's coming. I think it's coming. I don't know if it'll be one year or ten years from now or where it is but already we're seeing the, the, the talons of that start to come in where we don't have the religious freedom quite like we used to. They start to take more and more of our freedom away where uh, Christianity is becoming the bad word. It's becoming the. We get linked with Islam, which I'm still amazed at. Uh, but they, they, you know, they want to link and, and I saw something this week. I was reading uh, some news story and then I was reading the comments afterwards. And somebody in the comments said, What do you think the most violent religion uh, has ever been? And one of the first comments after that is, said something about Islam and how terrible it is and it, you know it's done but Christianity has done so much worse. <laughs> and I went, "Really? What planet are you on? <laughs> where where are you coming from?" But that's the way we're viewed nowadays. This is the way it's going. And so we're beginning to see the 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 initial stages of us moving towards that point where persecution could become very real. Uh and and like I said, I don't know. It could be a year. It could be 10 years. It could be 20 years. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. Don't claim to be a prophet. And by the grace of God, he will never give me a prophetic message. I don't want that responsibility. It goes right in there with being president. I don't want the job. <laughs> Forget that. So when we look at this, we there's a transitional point coming here. What happened? You remember in the book of Luke and, and elsewhere, where where Jesus said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. There was a reason for that. The worst thing you can do is send somebody out on a job who is not capable or equipped or prepared for that job. The disciples had followed him, they had been with him, but they weren't quite ready yet. There was still something to do. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter, and that comforter is going to do these things. And you need to go, Terry in Jerusalem, you need to go there and prepare yourselves, be ready, because of the importance of it. Don't approach the situation until you are prepared for that situation. Uh, I believe it was D.L. Moody. I was reading something about him one time, and, and he said that he preached hard, he preached... You know he was successful, he's relatively successful um and he would pray hard and he would he he always thought there was so much more and he said that one time he was preaching in a in a coliseum one someplace, and a couple of little old ladies on the front row came to him after the service and they they told him they said you would do so much better if you were just full of the Holy ghost and <laughs> He got quite offended. That's something you don't say to DL Moody. <laughs> he got quite offended, but it shut himself up in a room for several days, just praying and fasting and seeking that to understand what they were talking about. And he he said he felt like they came to that point where the spirit of the Lord came upon him and actually Filled him in a way that he had never experienced before, and he went out, and his preaching changed, and the results changed so much dramatically. And so, this is what's happening here. Jesus could have sent out the disciples and said, "Go do your thing. You've already done it once. Remember when he sent them out? sent them out to do it." And they came back and they said, "Wow, this is really cool. What's happening out here?" <laughs> but now Jesus said, "Go into the upper room, and I want you, or go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there until." You meet the Holy Ghost until the Holy Spirit is there, until you'll be endued with power. So you cannot enter the situation under your own power. We struggle with that because we like, us men, let me pick on men. Our men fixers, that's what we do. The wife comes to us and she's crying and she says, oh, this is really bothering me. And the first thing we want to do is go fix it. And she says, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to listen to me but he doesn't know because he's already fixing it whatever it was we fix things that's what we do and so we but we 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 want to do that with the things of god where we say i know how to do this now and we jump up to go do it and the, the lord is saying hold on i haven't even got you ready yet i haven't even got you prepared yet we have to wait until we're to that point where we're ready don't enter enter the situation until you've Heard from heaven. Oh, I think that's a big one. I, I've known people, I, I admit I'm not as good at that as, as some other people I know, but I know, I've known people that barely buy a, ga- a tank of gas before they prayed about it first. You know, they, If they were going to go get furniture, they prayed. If they were going to need a refrigerator, they prayed. And they, they, I wish I did that more. I really do. <laughs> but there's a point to be made there. Before we go into a work for God, we need to hear from God. We need to hear from the Spirit of the Lord. What do you want done? How do you want, want it done? I, want, I remember a sermon years and years ago. I, I'm one of those that remembers those sermons that just really stand out to me. This was probably 25 years, 30 years ago from Loran Livingston when he, he said that the problem with preachers is they have the, the big bees. He says they, they uh, build some big thing, whatever, a church or whatever, And he said, then they start begging to pay for the thing, and then they go around bragging of what they've got. He said, the problem with ministry today is people are always looking at what somebody else is doing, and they start it. And he said, instead of, uh, of," he said they go in there and do something and then ask God to bless it. He said, the problem is we should be asking God, what are you going to bless? What do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to go and, and, and I think there's a, a real point. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't have to worry about that. I'm not an evangelist. It has to do with any ministry you're in. I don't care if it's dealing with the two-year-olds. You need to be in prayer and hear from God. I don't care if you're cleaning the floors. You need to pray about your ministry. Be in prayer about what God has you to do because your ministry is no more or less important than mine. In fact, I would say that yours is probably more important than mine. I can get up here and scream and holler whether there's two or 200. You know, I can do that. But we got to have somebody out there getting the work done, or we don't have a church here, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I'd like to get somebody younger and with hair. But I am what you got. So you got to live with it. (laughs) Don't go into the situation until you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Boy, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to just have this open channel and just, you know, like a Borg or something where he just, <laughs> he's in there and he tell you. But Scripture tells us, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. How do you do that? You have got to be in prayer. You have got to be seeking God. You have got to stop long enough to be in touch with the, the Spirit of God. You have got to stop, close your mouth long enough to allow Him to speak to you. I think we sometimes have those uh, auctioneer prayers. You know, we get down and we... Ebbity, 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 ebbity. sold, amen, and we're gone. And we never stop long enough for the Holy Spirit to start saying something to us. He's like, wait, I, I have something to tell you. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? I, I'm, I'm trying to talk to you here. Now me, one of my best places, is, I've told you before, is on a riding lawnmower. God and I connect on a riding lawnmower. I need a bigger yard. Because just, we, we get together on a riding lawnmower. Some of my best times of prayer. Or when I'm driving. Or when I'm just sitting on my porch. Or whatever it may be. That time of getting with the Lord and hearing from Him. So they came together and they prayed. This group of people, 120 packed into the upper room, they prayed. You realize their lives stopped? Those people were busy just like we're busy, right? Probably busier. They didn't go over and open a a little door and throw a bunch of clothes in and close it and push a button and bam, their clothes were washed. You know, they didn't go out and get on a a big backhoe and and start backhoeing. They were out shoveling. They were busy people. It was hard life. They had to work. But the scripture tells us that they went up, they stopped their lives and got into the upper room and sought God until he answered. And they were in one accord. That does not mean they were all piled in one Honda. This is not a Honda Accord. It was an a... Yeah, you're a hard crowd. Um, <laughs> they were all in one Accord. They were in unity. They were in unity. I've mentioned this before. I want you to think about it. Unity does not mean everybody agrees on everything. Unity means that the people have chosen to be united. You and your spouse don't agree on everything, but you still get together. My wife still puts the toilet paper on the wrong way. She has for 35 years. But I just. (laughs) It goes to the back. Everybody knows that. (laughs) I'm going to lose that battle. I'm going to lose that. So, children, 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 (laughs) get a ride. (laughs) Right. So, so divorce happens when those differences become more important than your likes, right? You have the same differences. Uh, you know, 20 years after you got married as you did the day after you got married. The same differences. The same things you didn't agree on. The problem is divorce comes in when those differences become the focus rather than the uniting or the unity together. My wife and I don't agree on everything. There's some things we don't even talk about because, hey, it's just better not to. And so, we, but we... I tell you what, there's not a person on this planet I'd rather spend the day with than my wife. We will have fun, we will tease, we will pick back and forth. She'll pick on me and be mean to me all day long, and I just defend myself. That's all I do. And and that's just how it works. That's how unity works. That's how unity in the church works. The church is united when people's differences are not the big point. The point is their unity, the things they agree on. We all come together, there's some here from Baptist backgrounds, there's some here from Catholic backgrounds, there's some people here from Mormon backgrounds, there's some Pentecostals here, they're all together under one roof and all of us say, I wish they did it a little bit different than the way they do it. Every one of us says that. I wish they were more Pentecostal. I wish they were less Pentecostal. I wish they sang old hymns. I wish they sang new songs. That's the way a church is. Especially a church as diversified as ours with so many different backgrounds. That's how it is. But you know what we do? We come together, one accord, and if we don't like that song, and that's one of them that I don't, we just sing it and praise the Lord anyway. That's how unity works. That's what happened in the upper room. They put a... Aside their differences, they came together, they prayed, and they sought God. When there's unity and there's prayer, God will answer. God will move. God will respond. I'm preaching pretty good for somebody when they'll sleep, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> they can't... Division is the death. Division brings death. And I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I'll say it again. We have forces that are doing nothing 24-7 but trying to divide our nation. That's all they're doing. You remember 9-11? George Bush wasn't a particularly popular president at that point. He, not horrible, but, you know, most people thought he was, yeah, whatever. And then 9-11 happened. what happened to his approval numbers? Whoom! Way up! Everybody loved George Bush. Drove the media crazy. So immediately they start saying, oh, he was involved in this and it was an inside job and division, 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 division and pretty soon his approval numbers come down and half the nation hates the other half of the nation and they're all fighting over the very same thing that they were united on just a month before. Division is the bane of an existence. Jesus said, no house divided against itself shall stand. That doesn't doesn't matter if it's your home, your own four walls. It doesn't matter if it's a church. It doesn't matter if it's a nation. It cannot stand divided. It will fall. There are forces trying their very, very best to bring division and destruction to the United States. We will have strength. We will be powerful as a ministry tool, and I own Washington in this area, if we are united and we pray and we seek God and He moves upon us. That's what will bring it. Prayer gets you into the head of God. He gets you in there. You get in there and you know what He's thinking, what what He's desiring. The Bible tells us, if one prevail against Him, two shall withstand Him. And a three-strand cord is not easily broken. The devil fears unity in the church as much as he fears anything. He fears a united church. He does not like them. So, now we have them in the upper room. They've been praying. They've been, they're have been. they united. They're seeking the Lord. And the Lord shows up. This is kind of where Pentecostals get hung up. And all you Pentecostals, just relax a minute. I'm not putting anybody down here. I'm just telling you, I think they miss it right here. They start talking about the cloven tongues like a fire, the rushing mighty wind, and everybody started speaking in other tongues, and oh man, this is amazing. And I have heard whole sermons, hundreds of them, about that very thing right there. And I say, you're missing it. Keep going. The power was not in the rushing mighty wind. The power was not in the cloven tongues of fire. The, the, the power was not in them speaking in other tongues. The power was when Peter started proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the very crowd who had just crucified Jesus. That's where the power was. All of those things were signs leading up to that. That was, that was kind of substantiate them and say, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm here. You know, you're in a room, we're all together, we're praying, we say, boy, I sure wish the Lord would show up and all of a sudden there's a wind and there's, a, there's a, a fire and cloven looks like cloven tongues lands on each person. That would be a good indicator that God showed up. And then all of a sudden, in the way it says here, He's speaking, and I don't know if the whole crowd did it the exact same way because it doesn't explain but what happens is, we had Greeks, we had Persians, we had uh, Romans, we had all these people from all the different nations here. As Peter was speaking, each one heard it in their own language. Which sometimes Pentecostals miss that one. They think you know, they were all speaking in a bunch of different languages. They weren't. They, Peter was say, speaking one language, everybody heard it in their own language. That would be pretty cool. I would love that. That would be awesome. You know? And so, <coughs> these things that were happening were a sign. They were praying, they were seeking God, and all of a sudden they started seeing things that were unexplainable. They they started seeing what was happening. It was an indicator to them that God showed up. And the reason I say this is because I've known many people and many churches who try to duplicate Acts chapter 2 in their situation. They want cloven tongues like a fire. They want to rush a mighty wind. They want to all speak a, 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 these different tongues and all that. And that's what they seek. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're missing the point. They're missing the, the power was in what happened after the upper room. When they came, down back on, came out onto the streets and the people were like, what's wrong with these folks? I don't know what they were doing. Obviously, they thought they were drunk. So maybe they were staggering, maybe they were singing off key, I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they were all being piled in the back of police cars, I don't know. But whatever it was, it opened the door for the gospel message to come out as he said, these are not, thank you, thank you for that affirmation, that was called a sign right there. (laughs) Yeah, there was light. There was was a... (laughs) And so they see this, and he says, they are not drunk as you suppose. What they're doing right now is not what you think it is. What's happening right now is that the Lord has shown up. The power of God has fallen on this place. This is what was prophesied way back in the Book of Joel. This is the very thing that you were told to expect, and now it's here. You crucified him, but he came up out of that grave. You put him on a cross, but he's not there anymore. You you were you you thought you got got rid of the enemy, but you actually crucified the best friend and the King of Kings, the one that could redeem you. And that message came forth, and they were pricked. They were they were like. He's talking about me. And the power of God from there started to explode across the nation. Let me, let me put it this way. If I had an experience, <laughs> I had a choice of an experience between one day where a wind blew and there was cloven tongues like a fire and people spoke in different tongues, or years where the church exploded under the power of God and the move of God was taking place and people were being being saved and set free and delivered and healed and all those things which one would you choose I would take this anytime so I I say that to not to tell us don't get tied up on the meaningless and it's not meaningless it was a sign but it's the it's the more trivial part of the story, and sometimes the, the we, we want to hang our hat on that because it's sensational. I want the sensational. Well, being full of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily sensational. I've known people that were powerful. Thank you, thank you, sir. You are a good man. I appreciate that. Ah, awesome. Now I can go another hour. I'm good. I've known a lot of people who were not overtly um, outward, emotionally outward, emotional, but they were powerful prayer warriors. They were powerful men and women of God. It's not about a sensation. It's not about an emotion. It's not about a hype. But let me say this. I don't care if somebody gets happy. Don't really care. I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I'm good. I, I think it ought to be in decency and in order, and I've seen some of that that wasn't. But if somebody gets happy and they, they shout a little better, I don't care. Go for it. Praise the Lord. If you, if you feel free to do it, praise the Lord. I'm saying that we need to look at what's the most important, not get hung up on the things that are less important. When, <clears throat> when I go to Dave and Becky's house and watch football, there's a total difference in the way that, that game is watched. Dave has his way. He has this particular tone. Go! Go! Doesn't he? Is that about right? Go! My wife is screaming and hollering, You idiot! What are you doing? And I'm sitting there, and Becky is, you know, playing with a cat or something. We're totally, we're, there's a different... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sleeping. That's the same game. Same game. Different ways that people respond to that game because everybody's personality is different i have been in churches where they condemned you if you didn't shout and scream and holler and dance i don't like that i don't appreciate that i can worship the lord by standing here with my hands in the air and have just as much of the lord as somebody running around the aisle it's not about that it's about people allowing the spirit of god to do something in their life that's what acts chapter two is about It is the birth of the church. It's the day that the church was born, in a sense. And from there, it exploded. 3,000 people one day, 5,000 people another day. I would not want that mess to deal with. I would not. My goodness. The the most difficult thing to ever deal with is a growing church. My goodness, what a mess you'll have. (laughs) Especially if it grows that fast. But they went around and they took the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. That's the message of Acts chapter 2. That's the message that I think we need to get. I said I like to study the first century church because of, uh, there's a pattern. This is the pattern. They took that message everywhere they went. Can we do that in I own? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do we do that? By praying in unity, seeking the Lord, and taking that message out with us. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, do I get more water? No. Oh. <laughs> we can take that message out. We're not going to have 3,000 saved one day and 5,000 saved the other day. This isn't, this isn't uh, the birth of the church. This is America who is hardened and cold and calloused towards the Lord. But you know what? If we preach our hearts out and we love this town with all of our hearts and do everything we can and one person gets saved in the year, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise the Lord and say thank you. Praise the Lord. It was worth it. Hallelujah. And I'll try to close here. I was, heard an evangelist one time and he was talking about, <clears throat> he said he went to, to preach this revival and he said it was just, he was just hitting the wall every night. Nothing, nothing worked. And he said there was no response, nothing. He said it was just like the place was dead. And he would preach his heart out and nothing would happen. And he said the, the last day of the revival, he left there and he, he went to a restaurant and he was sitting there eating, getting ready to head back home. And he said a guy come and sat down that he'd never seen before. And, and uh, he was kind of surprised that some fellow just sat down at his table. And uh, the fellow said... Uh, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are. He said, uh, you think you failed this week, don't you? He was like, how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know? And he said, I'm going to tell you why I know. He said, I could tell by, by what I saw that you felt like you failed all week. But I'm going to tell you something. My son was, was addicted to heroin for years. And we prayed and we've cried and we've sought God for him for years. He was at your first service. And that night at home, he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he said, I know you felt like a failure this week, but I want you to know you were successful. Was that worth it? Absolutely it was worth it. Absolutely it was worth it. Success isn't what we see. We can preach. I can get up here and preach and have some cold-hearted person close the door and slam the door, and we've seen that before, and slam the door and storm out of here. And a month later, a seed that was planted spring up into their life. I was there. I have people when I went to that Christian school and they were paddling me every day and sending me home (laughs) pretty much every day. Uh, there There are people there that taught in that school who died before I ever gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. They don't know the seed that was planted in my life. There are people that I've never seen before that had the biggest impacts in my life huge impacts in my life. And they will never know it unless God somehow provides a way for me to link back up with them again. Because they were planting a seed and they did not ever see that seed come to fruition. I'm telling you this, church, because we need to plant the seeds and don't worry about the visible results. Go out there under the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray, seek God in unity and take that message out and you will reach somebody. And it may be a drug addict who ends up in a gurney down here at the hospital holding on for life and he remembers, I ran into so-and-so on the street and they told me about Jesus Christ and my life is in a shambles because that's where I was. I sat in a little tiny trailer I was living in all by myself, just me and my dog. And after years of going to a Christian school, years of my grandma dragging me, kicking and screaming to church, years of that, it was sitting in that trailer all by myself, nobody around, no TV, no radio, and I said, I, it's time to get my life together. It's time. And I went and found me a church. And they were crazy, and my wife was there. And I had a great time, got saved, my, I got married there, my son was born when we were there. Because people planted a seed and may have never, ever seen the result of that seed. We need to go out like Acts chapter 2. We need to take that message out like Acts chapter 2. Would you stand? Would you pray with me right now? I don't want to do anything fancy. You know me. I'm not a fancy person. I want us to just pray. I want us to be together in unity, lift up our hearts and our souls to the Lord Jesus Christ and pray and ask God to do that work In Acts chapter 2. I'm not looking for cloven tongues like a fire. I'm not looking for a rushing mighty wind. I'm looking for an infilling in the hearts and lives of people. However that manifests is fine with me. I don't care. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you. We realize how insignificant we are. We realize how much we get distracted. We realize, Lord, how how often we fall into that trap of of getting stuck in minutia and failing to do the important things. Lord, we're coming together right now as a body of believers. Everybody here is a little different. Everybody has different beliefs. But Lord, we are coming together, united as a body and looking to you right now to do a work in us. Fill us with that Holy Spirit. Fill us with that Spirit of God. Do that work in our life. Lord, there are people all around us that need You. And there are people here who have experienced that infilling of the Holy Spirit and for many years, but there are others here that haven't. I pray, Lord, that every single person here will have that experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered and emboldened and and led by the Spirit of God to take the message to, to the world, the message of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you will do that work right now. Hallelujah. Father, we pray right now for the drug addict right here in this town that is that is strung out today, that is amped up on something today. We pray for them. We pray, Lord, for our neighbor right beside us, that's so angry, so full of anger and venom. God, we pray for her right now. Reach her, Lord. Reach her in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that are waking up today with hangovers, some that are still passed out from the festivities of last night, I pray for them. I pray, God, that this will be the last time they ever pass out, they ever drink themselves into oblivion because, God, I pray that the Word of God, the truth of the Gospel, and the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon them and change their lives and save them, God. I pray for those in this community right now who are thinking about taking their own lives. Lord, we hold them up to you in Jesus' name. We hold them up to you. Father, I just pray, God, that where there is no hope, that you will put hope in in the name of the Lord. Where there is misery and heartbreak that they don't feel like they can ever overcome, I pray for them right now that you will bring, bring peace and joy into their life and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bring that to them, Lord. Lead them to it. I pray, Father, that that message will go forth in there. I pray, God, for the teenagers right now in this community who are involved in things that they should not be. I just pray, God, for those that are are promiscuous, who are dabbling in drugs now for the first time or alcohol for the first time, God, I pray for them. I pray that You will draw them to You. Draw them to You. Pull them out of that life that is, that is going to destroy them. Take them away from it before that. Lord, I pray for those in this community whose husband and wives who can't even look at each other, who can't stand to be in one another's presence. I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that the divisions that have been built will be put away and somehow you will bring both parties together because one can't do it. It has to be two. I pray for them, Lord. I pray for people in this community who are involved in adulterous relationships. I pray for them right now. God, let those relationships fall apart. Let them go back and be faithful to what they should be to the relationship they should be faithful to. God, I pray for people in this community who are exasperated and fearful because of the direction their children are going or their grandchildren. I pray for them. I pray for peace in their lives. Lord, we seek you and ask God that you will do a great and a mighty work right here in this community. Lord, we hold them up to you. Teach this church right here how to love them. Teach us how to give them the message of the gospel and fill us with your Holy Spirit to do that work. Hallelujah.